Do you have to believe in the miraculous to be a Christian? Uh, Thomas Jefferson didn't seem to think so. In fact, he wrote his own Bible where he took all of the miracles out of the Bible. Um, Because here's the thing. If miracles don't exist, if they can't exist, then the Bible and all of Christianity is in serious, credible problems. If Jesus didn't walk on water, if he didn't change water into wine, if the resurrection didn't happen, well, what's left? Well, let's take a look at it. The first thing we want to ask is, what is a miracle? What is, if we got to figure out what miracles are, or if they exist, what is a miracle? Well, uh, philosopher William Lane Craig says this, a miracle is an event which is not producible by the natural causes that are operative at the time and place the event occurs. So, so some examples of the miracles of Jesus, uh, turning water into wine. That's a popular one with our Catholic friends. Um, uh, walking on water, uh, casting out demons, healing of the blind, the deaf, those with leprosy, the resurrection. Uh, did these things really happen? That's the question we have to answer. Um, well, the first thing that we need to do is we need to ask the right question. Um, we shouldn't be asking if miracles exist. We really shouldn't. What we should be asking is if we believe in God. Because if we believe in God, then, it would, then belief in the miraculous would naturally flow. Okay? If, if, for example, if we say we believe in God, but we just don't believe in miracles, well, um... Do you really believe in God? Do you really believe that God is no greater than you? Do you really believe that God is not capable of more than you? Well, then you don't really believe in God. For me, if, if, if God exists, and I believe he does, I would believe that God would be capable of doing things that I would, be, that I would consider miraculous. So the question we have to ask if is do we believe in God? Because if he's God and we aren't, he's able to do things we aren't able to do. So that's where we need to start. We need to ask the right question regarding miracles. And here are some things, some observations. I've studied this because I've had a lot of my atheistic friends question me on this. They, they, and, I, and when I was in college, I was bombarded with, in philosophy class with David Hume, the philosopher that said miracles do not exist. And it was a major attack on my new Christian faith. Um, he, uh, I've made some, some uh, observations because I will admit it is difficult to believe in miracles. It is. Um, I tend to be skeptical because I've seen people report miracles uh, that weren't really miracles. Uh, we live in a, a, a world of Photoshop, of video editing, where it's very easy to, uh, to fake things. Uh, we, I'm to the point where I really don't believe anything I see on, on, on TV anymore because I don't know if it's real or not. Um, elaborate magic tricks by skilled magicians can create great illusions. They really can. I, I don't know if you know some of the modern magicians. They're good. They're incredibly highly skilled, and they can make things happen that, that I have no idea how they did it. But, those, but a, a highly skilled magician is not a miracle worker. And so we have to sort through all of the stuff that is thrown at us to see if we really believe in miracles. The first observation is this, that a a miracle by definition is rare. It is rare. It is not common. There are people in in, in the church, wonderful people, uh, wonderful people that see a demon behind every bush and see a miracle behind every stop sign. No, you don't. 
because miracles are rare. We have to be very careful. We don't call a trick or coincidence or something else a miracle. Uh, let's not cheapen that word. Uh, there are a lot of things that can be passed off as miracles, a lot of bad teaching regarding uh, uh, miracles. And, and a lot of times people are vulnerable to wanting to believe the miraculous because they're in a desperate situation. I, I've seen that a lot. Others have bad theology. Uh, but here's the question that I have for people that, that, that believe miracles are a common thing. I, I wonder, I've always wondered why, when the coronavirus hit New York City, why didn't people that, 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 are, that are healers, why didn't they go up there and heal the people in the hospitals? Why, why, wasn't, why wasn't that going on? As a matter of fact, people that, that, that have the gift of healing, that say it happens all the time, why aren't they in Central Baptist and St. Joe and Samaritan, going in and out of rooms, healing people. Why wait for a church service where you can do it out in front of everyone? And I've always been suspicious of faith healers who have big noses, because if I had that kind of power, the first thing I would do is take care of this thing right here. And the second thing I would do is if I had that kind of power, I would take care of the salt and pepper that's going on up here, the widow's peak that somebody had the lack of tact to point out today, Marty Allen. <laughs> yes, I, if I had that kind of power, those are the first things I would do. But miracles are rare. That, means, that does not mean they don't happen. Don't hear that. They are rare, but they, that does not mean they don't happen. My first mission trip to Nepal, um, I, I was part of a healing service. First, part, first healing service I've ever been a part of. And they had invited people from all over, and people came from hundreds of miles to this, to this church in the middle of nowhere, Nepal, the blind, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the deaf. It was like something out of the New Testament, people showing up. There was a guy who brought his brother in a cart, in a wheelbarrow. He was pushing his, his brother in a wheelbarrow because the brother couldn't walk, and he was coming here to the church to find out if he could receive healing. And I, I had never seen anything like it before. And, and, I, and I preached on healing. And then, um, and then they said, Who, whoever needs healing, line up. And we had, we had three stations lined up. And we had, uh, uh, we had anointing oil. And, and we went and we prayed with people. And we anointed them with oil like, like uh, it says to do in the book of James. And the first person that was in line was an old man. And his, his leg looked like a D, like he had one straight leg and a leg that was bent out like this. He had obviously had a broken knee or, or something and it healed wrong. And, and every step he took was he would wince with pain. And there's no way to fake that, no way. And, and we prayed over him, anointed him with oil, and we moved on to the next one, to the next one. And when we were done, uh, Pastor Reuben, who was, who was my friend from Nepal, he said, all right, testimonies, who's been healed? He, he, he didn't even, he knew. He knew that people were, were healed that day. And there were all types of people that spoke up. But I'll never forget the man with the bowed out leg had two straight legs. And he was jumping up and down. When he, he there was no way to fake that. There was no way that happened other than a miracle of Jesus. I saw it with my own eyes. Pastor Reuben of, of Nepal saw it. Pastor Ravi Kakirpati of India saw it. Pastor Simon P Peter Kaleem of Pakistan saw it. There were four people from four different countries observing this miracle. It was with my own eyes. 
Now, other people that had, had been, they, they had reported being deaf said that they could hear. I, and I have, no, I have no doubt that they were telling the truth, but there's no way I could independently verify that. I did not know if they were deaf and I didn't know if they could hear. I, I, there was no way for me to verify that, but what I was looking at, there was a perfect, there, there was no other explanation for it. And so miracles do happen. I'm just saying they are rare. They happen, but they don't happen very often. And you say, well, that settles it. So why, why do you say they're rare? Well, well, because I've seen far more people ask for healing and not receive it. So have you. So have you. Um, I've seen children who've been prayed for that still died. I've seen loved ones with cancer prayed for and, they, and, they, and then they're not healed. Uh, people who are sick and, and in pain with, with long-term diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia prayed for and not healed. And you have too, if we're honest. And, and, and you say, well, why? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know why God chooses to heal some people and others not. I don't. Uh, all I have is the faith, is that God always does the right thing. Romans 8, 28, that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And I have no doubt, I have faith, that one day I will understand why God did what he did, why God chose to heal this person and not this person. I will understand that one day, and so will you. I have faith in that. Miracles are rare. They don't happen all the time. The second thing, observation about miracles, is that miracles don't necessarily contradict the laws of science. That was one of the things. They don't necessarily do that. If I was to take this iPad here and drop it, what would happen? It hit the floor, right? We all know that. This is natural law of gravity. Okay, so if I was to drop this, but I was to catch it, did I contradict the law of science? No. Gravity is still working, isn't it? I interrupted it. And a lot of times, miracles of God are not contradictions, they are interruptions of natural law, natural law um, the natural, of science. Uh, for example, when Jesus was walking on water, gravity was still working, otherwise he'd been flying through space. He was, gravity was still working. God interrupted the law, of, uh, the law of gravity. And I was making this point one time, and a person asked, well, what about changing water to wine? And you think things don't change from their one state to another, do they? And I said, well, you, that, that, uh, I, that was a good point. And I said, well, you can turn water into wine by adding grapes and sugar and yeast, and I mean, uh, by natural processes, you can do that. So it's not necessarily a contradiction in the law of science. It's not like Jesus was turning water into a frog. Well, I mean, frogs are 80% water, so I guess if you add the frog parts, you can. Uh, but, and here's another natural law I found out when I was a kid, that frogs are 80% water, but when you pick them up, they turn into 90% water, and they always let you know. I learned that as a kid. That's a natural law. But uh, many times, uh, healings, for example, are not contradictions in the law of science. They are accelerations of it. They, um, you know, most people that get sick will get better. Their immune system kicks in. In, in uh, Nicholsville, Kentucky, we've had 77 coronavirus infections. 64 of them have, have recovered, completely healed. Now, so if a, most people do get healed from illnesses, if God chooses to accelerate the natural process, that's not a contradiction. Does that make sense? That makes sense? So a lot of these things happen. Um, the third thing that, that, and this is where it starts to get dicey. This has been very elementary up to, but this is where it really starts to hit home. The third thing is this, is that it appears that faith plays a large part in miracles, and I want to qualify this, because I've seen people really hurt over this type of statement, over this type of thing. Um, Matthew 9, 29 
when G Jesus was healing, he, when he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Okay, whenever Jesus healed people, he, a lot of times he would say, your faith has made you well, your faith has healed you. Okay, so um, I want to step lightly here. Because the natural inclination when someone asks for healing and they don't get it is to say, well, I don't have enough faith. They blame themselves. Okay, I've heard that. I want to be real careful. That is not necessarily true. The apostle Paul pleaded with God to take the thorn in his flesh away. Pleaded three times, take this away from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. This was not a, this was not a lack of faith on Paul's part that, that got him a no answer. So please, if you are praying for healing, if you have, or if you're praying for someone else to be healed and that's not happening, it's not necessarily a statement of your faith. Please understand that. Please understand that. There's something bigger going on that we're not aware of. So step lightly. We don't need hurting people to think that their faith is shallow. Understand? We don't need hurting people to think that God has abandoned them or God is judging their faith. We don't need that. Okay? So that being said, it tells us where there is a lack of faith though that Jesus can't do miracles. Can't, yes, can't. That's what the scripture says. When Jesus was in his hometown, he, he uh, was surprised by their lack of faith, and the scripture says he could not do miracles because of their lack of faith. Could not. It appears that our lack of faith can limit the power of God. That is something I don't understand, but that is something to deal, to, to deal with. When, well, like I said, when Jesus healed people, he said your faith has healed you, so faith plays a huge part in miracles. But here's, here's the, the next observation on miracles. Only one miracle, only one miracle is necessary to be, to be a Christian, for the Christian faith to be true. Luke 24, one through six. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Okay? The resurrection. This is good news for you skeptics out there, people who, who you, like me a lot of times. Skeptics, um, do I have to believe that Jesus walked on water to be a Christian? The answer is not really. Okay, and let me qualify this. Let me, let me explain for people that, that may be upset with that. When I was a young man wrestling with my Christian faith, uh, most of my formative years were in college. Okay, I was bombarded with with uh, secular philosophy. I was on a soccer team with non-believers who questioned every, every decision I made, everything I believed. So it was a battleground for me. And I was, a, I, I, I was a part of FCA, and we had a sponsor named Steel Harmon, who's an old football coach. He loved the Lord so much. He loved college students and was a real mentor to me during my, during my college time. And I went up to Steel and I asked him about this. I said, I'm having trouble with thinking that Jesus walked on water, and, and, and I, I just, it's just hard for me to believe this. And, and he asked me this question. After listening, he just asked me a simple question. He said, do you believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead? And I said, yes, I do. I said, there's a lot of evidence for that. I have no problem believing that. That, that, that makes sense to me. And then he said, 
then that's enough. He said the rest of it, God will make clear to you as you walk with him. And so even though I had trouble with the other things, uh, other miracles in the Bible, the resurrection was allowed me to be, embrace Christ, to embrace Christianity. And as I have grown in my walk with Christ, as I have become more familiar with God and his character, it has become very easy to believe in the things I didn't necessarily believe in back then. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't believe in it. I just didn't know God well enough to really think that he was capable of those things. And so I want to tell you, if you're skeptical right now, there's only one miracle you really have to believe in to be a Christian. That is the resurrection of Christ. If you don't believe in that, I can't help you. But if you, if you believe in that, I would say the same thing to you that Steele Harmon said to me, that that's enough. The rest of it, God will reveal to you as you walk with him. And he has. I'm very, very different now at age 46 than I was in my college years. I've, I've grown in my faith and I've walked with Christ and now I have no problem believing that Jesus walked on water, that he turned water into wine because I know Jesus better now, okay? So we only need one miracle to, 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 for Christianity to be worth believing in. Remember that. But here's the real shocker on miracles and this is where we need to live and breathe, right here. This is where we need to live and breathe. Jesus didn't think miracles were that important. Whoa, did you know that? That Jesus did not really seem to think they were that important. If, and we know, because whenever Jesus did something or healed someone, he always told people, don't tell anyone about this. Look at Matthew 8, 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now why in the world would Jesus Tell people, after performing a miracle, not to say anything about it. This is why. Because Jesus knew you and I are always looking for the show. We're looking for the big thing. We're looking for the entertainment. It even said that, the, that King Herod, the ruler, was, wanted to see Jesus because he wanted Jesus to perform for him. He wanted the Son of God to perform for him. Jesus did not want to be known by his miracles. He wanted to be known by something much, much deeper. And we'll talk about that in a second. Even Paul in the early church, check this out. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Paul writes this, and God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. Helping, guidance in different kinds of tongues. Did you hear that? That your Sunday school teacher, your first grade Sunday school teacher, Miss Jenny, is of higher value in the church than a person who can work miracles. That's what it says. First of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles. But Jesus... Always said, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't tell anyone I did this. Paul said, listen, the miracle workers are way down on the list below the Sunday school teacher. Why? Why did Jesus do miracles then if they weren't that important? 
Why did he say in John 14, 12, very truly I tell you, you, you will do the works I've been doing. You will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Why did he say that? Well, the, number five, Jesus was far more concerned with what was behind the miracles, which was love. Remember this, people. Remember that no, all, none of Jesus' miracles, except for the resurrection, had any lasting significance whatsoever. He turned water into wine, and when it was gone, it was gone. He fed the 5,000. What were they the next day? Hungry. He raised Lazarus from the dead. What did he get out of it? A few more years of taxes, and here we go again. Seriously, he died. Lazarus didn't run, so he died twice. He's the only guy with two, uh, two dates on his tombstone. Jesus was far more concerned with the love behind the miracles than he was the miracles himself. Mark 12, 20, Mark 12, 30 says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, with all your strength, with every bit that you are. That is the greatest commandment. I can't do the miracles of Jesus. I don't know if you've tried. I've tried. I can't do it. I can't walk on water. I can't change water into wine. I can't, I, 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 I threw out my back. I can't even heal my own back. I pulled muscle in my back. I've, I've tried. I laid hands on, and I tried to, and, and I, I'm just having to heal up through the natural process. And, and I'm, as I get older, this is happening more and more. I, I can't even heal my own back, you guys. I can't do the miracles of Jesus. However, what I can do is I can love the way that Jesus Love. Let's take a look at this. The first miracle that Jesus did was a wedding, uh, changing the water to wine, the wedding of Cana. Do you think that Jesus was concerned about providing alcohol at a party? Do you think that's what his, his motivation was? No, it was not. The problem was, was that there was this young couple on their big day, their wedding day, big day, and, and they ran out of wine. Now, now that, that doesn't that, that, that doesn't translate well into our culture because we have stores and everything like that to, to, to go and get. But back then, you couldn't just go to the store. And hospitality was huge in that culture. It was a huge embarrassment to not have something to put before your guests. Huge embarrassment. It's a, a scandal. And, and so Jesus saw this couple that it, it was being publicly embarrassed and humiliated and, and, and there was no other option. It was supposed to be their big day, some, something that was supposed to be huge and big. And it was turning into this terrible day. And so he turned water into wine to show love to the young couple to meet where they were. That was the purpose behind the miracle, the love. Uh, he raised the widow's son you know, the, the uh, poor widow, uh, the only, only source of livelihood she had was her son. And when he died, she was going to be destitute. She's going to be thrown out on the street, no one to provide for. And Jesus said, I, I, I just raised the widow's son to life because, not, not because he, didn't wor he, he, he was worried about um, or, or didn't want him to die, but because he cared about the widow providing for the widow. And it was the love behind the miracle that Jesus thought was so important. That's why he always said, don't tell anyone I've done this. Because he didn't want people to see the miracle. He wanted people to see the love behind the miracle. And guys, that when Jesus says, you, meaning his church, will do the things that I have been doing. And you will do the greater things than I have been doing. He was not talking about you will walk on water and, and turn water to wine. He's saying, listen, church. 
There are now, in 2020, 1.2 billion of you on this planet. When I was here on earth, I was one man, one person. I never traveled more than 100 miles from my hometown. But there are 1.2 billion of you now, and you can do greater works. You can show greater love to this world than I ever was able to to do. And that's what he means in John 14, 12, when he says you will do greater works than I ever did. We can take the love of Jesus and and continue to bless this world. And if you don't think that this world needs that, you haven't been watching TV, media. I want to show you guys something pretty amazing. Look at this picture. I don't know if you all know what that picture is of because the media will not show you this. This is the church being the church in a very, very, very interesting place. That spot where they pulled out the hog trough, made into a baptistry, is the very spot where George Floyd died in police custody. That spot. That is Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the church has decided that that spot is not going to be a spot known for a man dying. It was going to be a spot known for where where people turn from death to life. And they have been having revival services right there, and they have baptized tons of people on that spot. That's what the church does, you all. We take a broken situation, a terrible situation, and we redeem it, and we put it in God's hands, and we baptize it. And that corner now is more known for its baptisms than it is for the death of a man. Isn't that amazing? That is, I mean, I I say we give God a hand for that because that's what he does. He takes death and he turns it into life. And guys, that is the church at its best. That That is right there what Jesus was talking about when he said greater things you will do than I because I'm going to the Father. We take the situations that are terrible and awful and broken and evil and we redeem them in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is what we are called to do. Is that a miracle? Yeah, it is. That's a miracle. I'll say it. I'll call it that, that they've taken that corner of the world and turned it into a revival. Absolutely incredible. And so the greatest miracle, the greatest work that we are called to do. I'm gonna invite the band to come on back up. Greatest miracle, the greatest work we're called to do is to take the love of Jesus that was behind his miracles to a broken, hurting world, a world that thinks that violence and revenge and anger is the way to go. We can cast an alternative vision. We can look at this world and say we have a better way. We have a better way and his name is Jesus Christ. World, uh, the, the world doesn't understand that, and right now the world needs Christ more than ever. The world needs the church to be the church now more than ever. World, uh, let, us, let us think as a church about the real work of Jesus. Let us continue to redeem what's been broken and lost and destroyed and tarnished. 
when we as a church get serious about the work that Jesus did, we will truly be more than conquerors. You all, I'm standing here before you saying, I believe in miracles. I do. I believe in miracles, and I believe that God can do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. I also believe in the love behind his miracles. I believe it is our job to take that love to the people Jesus would have taken it to. And will, will God perform miracles through us? Maybe. Maybe not. Will God love people through us? Absolutely. Jesus told us that we would do greater things than he ever did, and we can, because the love we have for each other and for the people that he loves. Don't sell yourself short, church. Don't sell yourself short. Jesus said you would do the works he did. He said you would do greater things. Don't sell yourself short.